The magic is not in the tool. It's not in whether you build them in Google Docs or Post-it Notes or ClickUp or some other fancy tool out there. The magic is in, are they going to follow them? This is Digital Marketing. Hey, it's Marky Grass here, and I've got a question for you. What if you could legally get the emails of almost every person who visits your site? Seriously, what if you could safely and respectfully retarget your website visitors via email just by dropping a pixel onto your site? It might sound too good to be true, but our new sponsors at getemails.com can do just that. They've created a system that's compliant with U.S. laws and regulations, and every email address they send you is opted in to receive emails. So that means that you can connect your anonymous website visitors to real people and safely retarget them through email with real-time, fully compliant interactions. It might sound too good to be true, but trust me, it works. The CEO, Adam Robinson, is brilliant. And he believes in his product so much that he's willing to do something a little crazy for digital marketer listeners. If you go through their easy 30-minute onboarding process and haven't 5X your investment within the first six months, they'll give you all of your money back. To take advantage of the offer, go to getemails.com slash digitalmarketer. That's getemails.com slash digitalmarketer. Hey everyone, this is Mark DeCrass, the president of Digital Marketer, and this is the podcast that keeps you up to date on everything you need to know when it comes to digital marketing, from the platforms you need to be focused on to the cutting-edge tactics and tools that are working today. I have a very special guest, Christina, the queen bee of Be Productive. They've actually helped businesses save over 4,800 hours due to their SOP creation. So welcome, Christina. Thank you very much. Uh, so today we're talking SOPs, a digital marketer. We actually work really closely with Scalable, our parent company, and their whole thing is about business development. So we try to incorporate with our business a lot of that SOP creation and then how to use SOPs for your marketing development, serving your clients better and running your business better. So very excited to talk to you. We'll see if we can spice up SOP. Do you, I love your name. Your name's very clever, the, the Be Productive. So <laughs> nice you. job there. Do you have any tips for making SOP creation more exciting than it sounds most of the time? This is something that somebody recently asked me, like, hey, how do you have fun with doing this? And it's challenging because even with like thinking outside of SOPs, processes in general are not something people typically consider fun. I think the excitement comes out of the outcome more than out of doing the job itself. So honestly, I don't know how to make them fun. (laughs) I do know that once you have them and once they start working for your business, you will see the, that compounding effect on just your mental health, really. Oh yeah. Ah, that's good. There you go. Focus on the benefits, focus on the first party data and all the other stats that you get off of it. Also for me, like I just sleep better at night knowing like, all right, here's our onboarding process. And I know that the last 20 clients exactly where they are in terms of in the process. So let's, so why don't we start with that? Cause I know you have a lot of companies with their client onboarding. What would you say is Mm -hmm. just a few of the best practices you've seen with client onboarding SOPs? Well, the client onboarding is supposed to be all about your client. So thinking about the entire process with your client's benefit in mind, that is really key throughout the whole thing. So every single step 
that you choose to have as part of your onboarding should be with their best interest in mind. So the transparent communication, setting the stage for how you're going to work moving forward, all of those things that will confirm to your newly acquired customer that they made the right choice for putting their trust in you and uh, you preempt some of their questions or concerns that they might have later down the road by already explaining them how the process is going to work, what to expect, what kind of communication cadence to expect. So if I am a customer, the worst feeling in the world is to know that I have paid you some money and I'm sitting there like a week or two later, just twiddling my thumbs and not knowing what's going on with whatever it is that I paid money for, right? So if I am the one that has to reach out to you and be like, hey, excuse me, ma'am or sir, I paid you something like a week ago and I wasn't sure where this is. Are you waiting on anything for me? Where does it stand? So that is the worst feeling in the world. And you do not want to start your customer relationship that way. So the first step of the onboarding is to make sure that your customer is taken care of and that the communication is uninterrupted. Because we put so much thought into the right communication before they become a client that sometimes we feel like the work can stop once we've acquired the customer. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, the hard work is done now. Got the Relax. <laughs> exactly. I was just going to ask, like, do you have like an average onboarding time that you usually recommend? Like, hey, you should have all the steps put in place for the first 30 or the first 90 or how do you usually come up with that? It depends a little bit on what you're selling. So I typically work with coaches and course creators. So for example, on longer term coaching programs, so like ongoing coaching programs, you want to give them a roadmap for probably around 90 days in advance. Those, if you're on a longer contract, those first 90 days are really crucial to make sure that you want to give them some quick wins and you want to make sure that you really, really nurture them in those first 90 days. So for example, if you're in e-commerce, that becomes much shorter, right? Because once they've made a purchase for a product, what really matters is probably like the first week or so when they're after they've received it. That's when they're most excited about it. So the, the time until they receive the product, we, we want to make sure you keep them excited about receiving the product. And then immediately after they've received it, that's the like the golden time for making sure that they're onboarded like, hey, you receive everything you need in order to be able to make use of this product. And then when you're at your most excited, that's when you can ask them for a testimonial or a review or something. And then they can kind of go on their way. So yeah, the timing depends a little bit on the type of business. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I love your focus on the first 90 though. So at Digital Marketer, we use quarterly sprint planning. So it's always what's going to happen in the next 90 days. So that actually lines up really well with what we teach everybody. And also, I was just having a call with one of our elite coaches, uh, Scott Cunningham, and he was saying how they have the first 90. And then if they what happens to marketers a lot of time is, okay, I got hired for the job. I did a great job. And then they're like, okay, you did a good job. I think we have enough leads. And then they will fire the, the marketing company because they're like, I got what I need. And because they didn't have the process of like, no, you have to have the system in place. So they know once they get here and they get all the leads, what's the next thing? Because if you're not constantly, you know, selling them. So I like that. That's It's a long process. And that's one of the reasons why people don't document the SOP in the first place. <laughs> exactly. And even at the end of the 90 days, I hope you want to keep the client for longer than 90 days. So if you do want to do that, 
at the end of the 90 days, you could reach out to them and be like, hey, look, the first 90 days of our working together are done. Here's what we said we were going to accomplish. Here's what we actually accomplished, which hopefully are going to be pretty closely aligned there. But then you can set the stage for moving forward together and be like, hey, look, if you're happy with the results that we have gotten so far, maybe let's do another roadmap for the next 90 days and the next 90 days and the next 90 days after that. The work never really stops unless you want to lose the client. So as soon as you feel like you can slack off and be like, okay, next 90 days have passed. The client is mine now. They're going to pay me until the end of their natural lifetime. Absolutely. hundred percent. No, and that, I think that's a good point. And, and I know we kind of launched into like, all right, let's talk about client onboarding. But I think it's really important that people understand the purpose of SOPs. Because I think a lot of people look at process creation as like, uh, my anal retentive manager wants me to do all this extra work. And now I have to log in and click a button. And people just think it's like, the manager's just a jerk. <laughs> Yeah, that's me. I'm, I'm the anal retentive manager. Well, you have to be. <laughs> you can't put that on my tagline. <laughs> well, it's, you kind of have to be, but once you get the process set up and you see the benefits, I think that's really where it's at. So let's just kind of talk about kind of the consequences of not having SOPs and the benefits that come with having the SOPs. Because it is, I, I'm sure you tell your clients, it's not a small amount of work. Yeah. So... It is not. It is absolutely not. But it is the difference between waking up in the morning and already having like 30 Slack messages. Since we were talking about that before, you already have 30 Slack messages from everyone on your team kind of sitting in your inbox. And when you're going into your email, you kind of already have five or six emails from your clients telling you some wrong things there and not having all of that. It's the difference between going to sleep and kind of being able to just go to sleep and not have a mental checklist of stuff to go through before you can allow yourself to close your eyes and waking up in the morning without the anxiety in the pit of your stomach, which I experienced for years. It's the difference between going on vacation with your family and having fun with them on the beach or going on vacation with your family and them having fun on the beach and you sitting in your hotel room on your laptop mm. working. No, no, that's a really good way to personalize it because for us, we always talk about like, hey, are you going to be able to scale and exit this business or are you going to be owning your job? It's just a job that you own if you're a business owner, if you don't have these processes because no one is ever going to be able to care about it like you do or do the work like you can. And so... I think that the process creation also goes into training your outsourced employees or even your ability to hire. Yeah, for sure. Because all of the stress that we just talked about comes from a lot of the information and the magic that goes into your business living inside of your head and you not having a good way of passing that on to your team to the point where they're able to function without you. So as long as every time they have a question, you are the person that they have to reach out to in order to get it answered then like you said, all you have is a job inside of your own mm -hmm. business. Yeah. If you can't go away on vacation, then you don't have a scalable company or you just can be working your whole exactly. life. Two things <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't want. Yeah. Like everybody gets lured into starting their own company with the promise of, oh yeah, I'm just going to work four hours <laughs> a week and be a millionaire and sit on the beach sipping margaritas or talking in front of thousands of people on conferences and we are just disillusioned and as soon as we start our own business 
what actually happens is instead of working 40 hours a week on a corporate job, you now work 80 <laughs> hours a week in your own company. And, Congratulations. And probably for less money than you would have gotten working 80 hours a week on a yeah. corporate job. So then it's yours. <laughs> it's yours you. <laughs> so. now you have, well, what ends up happening is you have a thousand bosses because those are your clients instead of one boss. But exactly. if you can systematize this, what would you say is the, the timeline for, okay, I hired you to do my SOP. When can I expect to have my core, I don't know, 10 processes in place? I don't know how your business works, but. I mean, it depends on what the core processes are and your budget really, because theoretically we could start working on all 10 processes in a month or we could spread them out over a year. It's really up to your business's priorities and capacity because even if you delegate all of this SOP creation to an outside consultant like me, I will still need a little bit of your time because right now the process lives inside of your head. So for me to be able to get it out of inside of your head, I still need to have a little bit of access to you to kind of get it out. So it goes as fast as you allow oh, me to okay. go. Basically. Yeah. So that's the responsiveness of the client. Maybe how many tutorials they have for d existing tasks. Exactly. And, and a little bit of responsibility towards your team in the sense of if you're just documenting, that's fine. If you're going to make a lot of changes, you have to be careful there because we can take 10 processes and optimize them and make changes to all of them. But the strain that that's going to put on your team to then implement all of those changes all at once, because we went with the speed of light, that's probably going to break a few other things inside of your business. So we want to make sure that we work responsibly and with everyone's benefit in mind, not just mine because I want to finish the project faster or the CEOs because they just want to get it all done. Yeah, it's going to fix the business and get them a million more sales and all that good stuff. The truth of it is there, it isn't like a magic bullet. It's the kind of work that you put in over time and the interest compounds over time. So you're not going to feel the relief immediately. Like, oh my God, we've created one process and now everything is already working 50% smoother. I wish. No, no. <laughs> hey, if it was that easy, everyone would be doing it. No, they wouldn't. They would still avoid it. <laughs> I always tell people, like, I was an HR major in college. So I'm like, it was like 90% of what we talked about was like operational processes and HR procedures and, and boring stuff. And I was like, why did you do that? And I'm like, ah. Well, now I know how to run a business, at least in terms of making processes. Yeah, there's a lot more that goes into a business outside of processes, but it all kind of comes down to it. So like sometimes we don't think of meetings as processes, but if you think of a meeting itinerary as a series of steps, then suddenly it becomes oh, a process. And much more productive process of that because meetings exactly. could be... Oh, like it's take up all your time and you do absolutely no work except for planning more meetings or tasks. So yeah. in regards yeah. to tools, so I know that's that's always a hot topic. Yeah. For us at Digital Marketer, we use a newer tool. It's called Flowster, flowster.app. New company. They have some unique stuff for it, but a lot of our certified partners, they use ClickUp. We also use Monday.com and a few different other tech stacks to do different things. What do you, actually, this, this is going to be a tough question. What's the best process creating tool? Okay. So hear me out here because I'm going to say something that most Ooh, people will not like. like it's not about the tool. You can take a piece of paper and write the steps on a piece of paper or like Ryan Dice in one of his scalable trainings talks about how all of 
the digital marketers' processes are post-it notes, mm. are a series of post-it notes put on a whiteboard, and they just take a picture of that, and that is the process that they go with until they find the time to do the fancy work of putting it in a flowchart tool and making it all look pretty and all of that. So the thing, they're only going to be as good as you following them. So it's not, the magic is not in the tool. It's not in whether you build them in Google Docs or Post-it Notes or ClickUp or some other fancy tool out there. The magic is in, are people following them? Do they have access to them? Are, are they going to be able to easily access them? And are they going to follow them? So as long as you're willing to follow the process, you will get results regardless of where you store them or what you build them with. That being said, there are tools that are probably going to make it a little bit easier. One that I like that I discovered recently is Stango. Yeah, it's a Google Chrome extension and uh, you kind of set it to record the next time you like do a job. So for example, the next time you run payroll for your employees, as soon as you start, you just go to the extension and hit record and it kind of writes down the steps as you do them. So you do the work as usual. You don't have to like speak or anything, not unless you want to do a video tutorial at the same time, but you don't have to speak. You just have to do everything exactly the way you're always doing it. And Tango will write, will type out what you're doing, will take screenshots. And as soon as you're done, you hit stop and it kind of spits out a document. And you can take that document. You're going to have to do some twitching, tweeting, of course, because like you jump around and uh, yeah, you can export that into a Google Doc or a PDF or whatever, or you can keep it in Tango if you want. But I have seen it shortcut the process a lot because there was my sales coach once told me that there's four levels of proficiency into any skill. So you're unconsciously incompetent. So that means you don't know what you don't know. You are consciously incompetent. So like, hey, I know that there are some things that I don't know. So I know exactly what I need to be working on to improve. Then there's unconscious competence, which is where most people are. Like, hey, I am doing this thing every single day. And I've, been, I've done it so many times that I don't even need to think about it anymore. But if you ask me how I'm doing it, it's a struggle because now I'm like, oh, I haven't really ever thought about how I'm doing it. I'm just doing it. And it's very hard for them to teach it to somebody else. And then there's level four, which is conscious competence, which is the next level. It's like, I am aware of everything that I'm doing. I have like a heightened level of awareness and I am able to teach it to somebody else. And usually to write a standard operating procedure, you need to be in this level of conscious competence to be able to get the steps from outside of your head and into an SOP. Where Tango code comes in is it allows you to kind of make use of this third level of competence, which is unconscious competence, where you can just do it the same way as you would usually do it. You don't need to necessarily put in any extra thought or any extra effort, and it still spits out a relatively useful it is a useful result. That's a great way to put it because I think that's where the confusion lies because I think you have a lot of people who can make a process, but then since they're doing it just for themselves or maybe they didn't really think about teaching it to anybody, then they don't go through the steps that it mm -hmm. takes to take that person who's unconsciously incompetent and walk them through the path. So I think that's a good way to put it. And just to explain, because I think the, the main example you always see for process creation is the how to make a peanut butter sandwich. And then somebody's like, all right, tell me what to do. <laughs> and they say, all right, well, first you get the bread. And they're like, where do I get the bread? <laughs> you know, and then it's like, okay, I have the bread. So 
Do I take it out of the bag or what do I do with it? And then it's programming essentially, but that's the level of process you need. So for us, we always say if somebody just walked in off the street and you sat them down in front of your process, could they do the thing that they're supposed to do? And if they can't, then Mm -hmm. you probably need to revise a little bit. Exactly. But I think one of the bigger benefits or maybe as big is just the process of doing it especially people who have done something because what happens with a lot of companies is they have somebody who's super competent they get everything done but it's all up to them like nobody really knows what they're doing and they hope they never go away and they they will go away (laughs) and so eventually then you have okay this person who knew how to do everything never documented anything and now we're stuck and now we could hire for it but they were gonna be starting from scratch anyways the whole process very expensive and so yeah, and imagine the, the pressure, like, let's say you find out that this key employee will leave in like two weeks. Like, let's say they do the right thing and they even give you the advance notice. Can you imagine the amount of pressure that is on a business owner to know that the years of experience and knowledge that this person has accumulated now has to be documented and passed on to somebody else in just two weeks? How do you condense four years, for example, of knowledge and work experience into two weeks in else's mind like that is insane yeah. and impossible is my experience because <laughs> even if they do because we uh we had somebody leave last year and she had done the good processes she had all everless documentation indexes of everything she did and all this kind of stuff but at the end of the day we didn't have the tangos that you were talking about or the video explanations of what these things were so even though we had the checklist there was no training behind it you still had to be knowledgeable to even go through the checklist so I think no matter what, even in the best, best case scenario, which is what we had, it was still extremely difficult. And we still had to reinvent a bunch of stuff in the meantime, because I, well, and I think it's that level of process where you say, okay, are you making a process for somebody who's competent in what they need to be competent in, or are you making the process for somebody who's doesn't know anything? And so for you, in terms of what you advise, do you go one way or the other? Or is it just maybe time requirements? Like for me, when we make processes, I'll say, hey, I know most of us know how to do this. So just make a simple one-line checklist. Like that's all we need for this. Everybody knows how to do everything. Or tutorial-based, which is like your tangos. I like going the in-depth way because... So it depends on what you're willing to hire. So there's two types of hires. There's people that know less, you pay them less and you train them to the level where they're going to be productive or you're going to pay out a little bit more for somebody who kind of comes pre-trained, right? Who has had experience in the industry, who will be able to take a more elusive type of checklist that doesn't have all of the steps documented, but they have enough industry knowledge to where they look at a, a list of steps or checklists or whatever and are able to like fill in the gaps, but you're going to have to pay a premium for that skill set. So it kind of depends on what you're willing to hire for. Oh, that's smart. Well, exactly. Well, and even if they are, say they're knowledgeable on whatever the topic is, are they going to do it the way you want them to do it is probably a third question you have to ask. Because somebody who, unless they're hired to make the processes, but in my experience, that doesn't work out either. Because <laughs> if you have somebody come in and you're like, hey, make all the processes for us, for your job, it doesn't go the way you think it will. Again, it depends because people hire for two reasons. Either they want to kind of duplicate themselves. So I know how to do something, but I no longer have the time to do it. So I delegate this half of it to somebody else. So I have to train them to how to do it. Or I delegate to somebody else because I don't personally have the skill set. So 
I'm not a good video editor, for example. I don't know how to edit videos, but I do need somebody who does. So I am going to hire somebody who already knows how to do it because if I hire somebody who doesn't, I don't know how to teach no. them. Excellent point too. I love how you just break it down into like four things here, two types of play here. Like that's very simplified. And you could tell that you make processes because that's the level of simplification you need a lot of the time. Hey, Ryan Dice here. You know, it's been a while since I've run the day-to-day -day for Digital Marketer, the company that Roland and I are partners in. Fortunately, we have a great team and great partners who help us with all that nitty-gritty stuff now. But the one thing that we focused on while I was there and the one thing the team still focuses on to this day is optimizing everything. I'm talking testing everything from the sales copy to the color of the checkout button. Testing like this can have a huge impact on your bottom line, but the truth is it takes a lot of time and a lot of resources. And half the time we were just throwing stuff against the wall just to kind of see what stuck. But the good news is you don't have to figure everything out on your own anymore. And that's because our friends at Conversion Fanatics have optimized hundreds of sites in all types of industries from small startups to Fortune 500s. And now they can handle all your testing and optimization for you too. So if you feel stuck when it comes to optimizing your website, go and visit conversionfanatics.com and they'll give you a list of custom suggestions to optimize your site 100% free. Once again, you can find them at conversionfanatics.com. So you did mention Tango, but in terms of like your clickups, I'm sure you've used a bunch of them. Is there a preference or benefits using one over another? I personally like ClickUp. So I've used ClickUp, Asana, Trello, Teamwork, Monday. I don't know if I've used Basecamp, Freedcamp. Like I, I've used so many, but I have stuck with ClickUp for the last two years. So far, it's it's been great. I like that it has a lot of automation. Personally, I'm an automation fan. So I like that it has a lot of that built in. I like the interface. But again, a tool is only ever as good as the amount of work that you're willing to put into learning it and working with it. So I've worked with all of them. They all still do the job. It's up to you really to make it work for you. ClickUp can be a little bit intimidating if you're new to project management softwares. It has a lot of features. Ergo, when you first log in, you're gonna see a lot on the interface. You're gonna see buttons and options everywhere. And you're gonna be like, <laughs> where do I go? Wait a second. So if you're a beginner, probably something like Trello will be better because it's very simplified. But if you want to have a more robust set of features, I think ClickUp will work awesome. better for you. Now, if somebody's going through the process, because it sounds like it's largely custom to the, whatever situation a business owner or manager is in, do you have a process that they could use for finding out which one they should start with? I mean, you have to know what's important to you first. So I was like a little bit of research on the front end will save you a lot of headache on the back end. You have no idea how many people have come to me and be like, hey, look, I've used XYZ tool for two years. And before that, I used ABC tool for another few years. And now I'm switching again. I'm like, Stop. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I helped them migrate over and built it all out. But the first thing that I tell people before they, we start a project like these, like, hey, can you help me migrate everything to ClickUp? I'm like, okay, let's first Why? make sure 100% <laughs> that you want to stick with ClickUp for 
the foreseeable future. Let's make sure that in a year's time, you don't come back to me and say, hey, can you help me migrate from ClickUp to whatever else? Like, okay, so you have to think about your needs right now and you have to be able to look just a smidge into the future and be like, hey, let's say I, I'm a solopreneur. So at this point, a series of post-its will do the job as a project management software for me. But what do I need in a year's time? What do I need in five years' time, right? So let's say I have three employees. Now let's say I have 10 employees. Let's say I have 50 employees. Will this software still serve me? Let's say I have right now one department. Let's say we have five departments and they each need to have different transparency levels where I don't want them to see some things. I want them to be able to see other things. Let's say I work with both employees and outside contractors. Does this platform help me manage that? Let's say I have three types of clients or these three types of products that are that all function differently on the fulfillment side. Will the software still serve me? With Will it be capable of doing all of this? Let's say right now I'm using three pieces of software, but let's say in a 10 years time, or well, 10 years is too long, but let's say years time, I might be using five or 10 pieces of software that might at some point need to tie back into my project management system. Does it support that? So yeah, let's say if I'm a solopreneur, maybe I'm not using a CRM. So I don't use something like Active Campaign or Go High Level or Infusionsoft Keep right now. But let's say maybe in a year's time, I might. So if I want to make them communicate because I want to be able to take the sales process and have it communicate over to the fulfillment process, which happens in another software. Do both of these softwares integrate somehow with one another, with something like Zapier, Pablo, Integromat, direct integration? Like, do they have a way to communicate? Maybe that's not something I need today, but it might be something I need in six months. So I want to think about it ahead of time. So not necessarily a very simple process, but you have to be thorough. No, no, I think that's very good advice because if people just kind of offhandedly like, oh yeah, I'm just picking this one because like, somebody told me to and blah, 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 without the, the future considerations, how many employees are you going to have? Where's your business going to be? Yeah. And how the price yeah. is going to scale. Can you afford? <laughs> yeah. HubSpot, for example, is an amazing piece of software, but the way the price scaling goes on it, it scares a lot of people away, but it scares them too, too late. Like people look and be like, oh, I have uh, 500 contacts in my email list. HubSpot doesn't seem too expensive. So cool. Yeah, it has a lot of features. And then in two years time, they have 40,000 contacts in their contact list. And suddenly the bill is $10,000 a month. They're like, oh, what? <laughs> okay, I don't know if it's that. I don't know if it's that. So don't quote <laughs> me on that. <laughs> but a lot of people have gotten scared by the price scaling. So you have to think about oh, like that, that as well. Well, and you could probably come up with the process for how to select your next uh, manager. That's a good piece of content for you, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> yes. yes, yes, sir. All right. Yes. So <laughs> just so people could do something actionable after listening to this podcast, what do you think is the first step somebody should take if they're, say, a manager or a business owner, they've never made an SOP for anything, what should they do to get started like right now? Um, the first thing that I recommend people do is to kind of map out what their business blueprint looks like. So I personally use flowcharts, but you can use a whiteboard, anything really. You won't need to have a roadmap, right? You don't just like throw a dart at a wall and be like, okay, that's the SOP we're doing first. 
So you want to make sure you have a little bit of strategy and prioritization around how you approach these. So to have that, you need to know what the big picture, like the 10,000 foot view of your company looks like. Let's say you take the customer value journey, right? And you go from awareness to engage, to subscribe all the way to ascension. And you kind of map out what happens on all of these steps. And then you go one layer deeper and be like, okay, in the aware stage, we've got, we're running Facebook ads, we're running a referral campaign of some sort, and we're, I don't know, doing some other thing here. And like, as you go deeper, one layer deeper, one layer deeper, one layer deeper, this is where you're going to find what your processes are. Like, okay, we have a process for Facebook ads. No, maybe we don't. Well, do we need that? Where's, where's the biggest need? for a process improvement inside of your business. And that's usually two reasons. Either there's a need for the process to be improved because you want to delegate it. So you don't, you no longer have time for it. So you have to delegate it to somebody else or there's something broken in there. Like there's, uh, or it doesn't exist at all. So for example, you get a lot of customer complaints about XYZ thing. Well, that means there's a problem there that needs to be addressed. So that's where I typically start. I want to make sure I see the big picture and then I want to make sure, hey, where's the urgency? Where's, where does something need to be either delegated or fixed? I love that. Well, and I love your tip earlier when you said like, hey, just write it down on a piece of paper. <laughs> you don't need to do, because I think people like, they like tech, they like tools. And so they'll start with like, oh, I got ClickUp and now I don't know what to do next. And instead you just... ClickUp has mind, has mind maps, so if you've got... No, you don't go tell there. them. I'm saying write down a piece of paper first. <laughs> paper, 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 paper first. Paper. Yeah. Paper. Or whiteboard. We like whiteboards too. Well, that, that's fantastic. Yeah. I love all your tips. It sounds like you have expert knowledge of SOPs, which I always respect quite a bit. Where can people learn more about what you do and you and, and your services? You can go up to my website. It's beproductive.eu. And that's B with two E's. And if you want, I offer a free clarity call to everybody. It's your chance to jump on a free call with me where you can ask me questions. We can talk about anything you like. It is not a sales call. It is literally your chance. You get 15 to half an hour with me. You get to get clarity on something, either SOPs, processes, automations, people, anything like how do you save time? If you have questions around that, just get on that call and we can riff off for 30 minutes and you'll walk off with at least a couple of actionable tips. That sounds extremely valuable and generous. So way to go there. So everybody check out Be Productive. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I think it's not the sexiest topic, but I think people need to hear it. And if they're stuck in owning a job land, this is the first step to get out of it and get growing and building your business. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's been an honor. All right. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to hit that follow button so you get notified when all of our new episodes release. Please share this with a friend who is clueless about digital marketing. And don't forget to visit digitalmarketer.com where you can access all of our courses, certifications, and training programs. Thanks again, everyone. And we'll see you next time. This is Digital Marketer. Hey, DM listeners, if you're running a Black Friday or Cyber Monday special, listen up. Because Digital Marketer just released our Canva holiday promo pack. It includes almost 200 templates that you can use to make the graphics for all your upcoming holiday specials, 
and three unique design themes for each holiday. The promo pack is usually $27, but you can get it today for free. Check the show notes for the link to download, or you can go directly to digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates. That's digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates.